Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, let me be the first to wish you a happy afternoon. I'm the first one to say it. No one else has said it. It was me first, so you're welcome. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday, everybody. Uh, we're going to go back to the Western Hotline because my man Matt Perino, New York Upstate, the Shout Podcast, joining me now on the Western Hotline to talk Bills and Vikings. And Matt, uh, good afternoon to you, my friend. Thanks for joining the program. Thanks for having me, bud. I feel like we haven't talked in a while. So I know. Catch up. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I just had Mike Giardi on of NFL Network uh, right before you. We were talking a little bit about the Jets and that game last week. And before we kind of dive into all the storylines that exist for this game, I wanted to kind of wrap a bow on that Jets game. I got Will Parkinson. He does a Jets podcast. We're going to talk next to to kind of dissect and diagnose exactly kind of what went right for the Jets and what went wrong for the Bills. But, uh, you know, getting your thoughts on the finality of, of sort of that game and, and obviously what it means now with potentially missing Josh Allen for a game or maybe multiple games, you know, looking back at that Jets game, where do you think maybe the Bills – maybe went wrong in that game because you know I think a lot of people look at the run game they want to blame the defense who only gave up 20 points in that game but you know it was a Josh Allen and and the turnovers or how the Jets defended the Bills to you what was maybe the de facto storyline of you know what went wrong for the Bills in that game yeah I think like to me you know there's a lot of things that didn't go right and it's going to be close games in this division now I think that's what we've learned over the course of the first half of the season, this division is a lot better than I think most people would have told you in August. But, you know, it's just like the, the little things, like talking to Ken Dorsey on Monday and him saying that, you know, throughout the course of that game, they just never really found a rhythm. Whenever they thought they were getting into one, you know, the next drive there was a, a run stuffed or an incompletion or a drop pass or a misread. I mean, it's like, when you have that consistently over the course of four quarters and you're going up against a defense that's as good as the Jets at all three levels and you don't get the ball back really until like under two minutes to score after you haven't had any success all half, it was just kind of like the collection of errors led to what, you know, the final result was. And, you know, if you're asking me what the biggest concern is, I think that Gabriel Davis kind of gets back on track. I don't think that that's going to continue to be a problem. I think if Josh Allen sees the Jets in December, he's more effective as a passer. But I'm really concerned about this run defense, and maybe they'll come out this week against Dalvin Cook and rectify things and really be a little bit stronger up front. Matt Milano will be back, and he'll probably obviously help that a lot. But the thing to me that stuck about that game was like, 
you knew they were going to run the ball after you, especially after the first you stop them, and they couldn't stop them. And Von Miller didn't really have any answers after the game. He promised that he's going to get it fixed, but he didn't have any answers. And to me, that was alarming because this is the same kind of this, – this team more than any should have had ideas about how to stop it when it was happening to them in the fourth quarter because of how much it happened to them last year. And I don't think you want to overreact to it. I don't think you want to – but it's definitely something like if I take one thing from that game that I'm going to be watching closely, it's going to be how do they react when teams just want to come downhill and run it straight at them. Yeah, and like, listen, I'm part of this was – it sounds like we're if, – if you were to rewind and bring us back to a show where I had you on in 2022 – or 2021 – we might, I feel like maybe we're having the same conversation about this run defense, right? And when you face these run-heavy teams, maybe it's right after that Colts game last year or you know the Titans game where you felt like you, you hemmed in Derrick Henry for long enough, but you know he breaks that one big run. And that's kind of just has been the storyline about this Bills defense. But starting from the year here, Matt, it felt like they'd figure things out. Daquan Jones would just seem to be such a huge asset and such a big pickup for this defense. And really, right up until the second half of that that Green Bay game, all was good in the run game. Like, how, how are we maybe switching our thoughts about this run defense after six quarters, considering they had 16 quarters of really sound football, at least against the run? Yeah, I think that's the kind of like the good part about this is that it could be like a wake up call that, or or maybe it's just an aberration, right? Like maybe it's just six quarters where they get back on track and and they're a lot more physical. And I thought Daquan Jones, to your point, has been really good, and he was, you know, he did his job a lot in that game. If you go back and watch it, I mean, he takes double teams, and you know that's got to wear a guy down over the course of a, of a game. But he had a missed tackle on uh, on that last drive there. Um, one of the bigger problems, and something that we could probably talk a little bit more about too, is like. Jaquan Jones just or Johnson just not really, yeah, not really like just he doesn't play the position as fluidly obviously as Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde. But when you're asking him to be kind of that that firecracker, that guy that comes in and takes the right angle and at least puts a a hit on a ball carrier. I mean, there was a few plays where he just completely whiffed, and you just can't have that. And you could see that that takes a two or three yard potential run turns it into 15, 16, 17 real quickly. Uh, and I've been talking about it this week on the podcast. Like, I know a lot of people are expecting, you know, Johnson maybe to get set down and maybe Dean Marlowe to get the, the call up. But don't be surprised if maybe they throw a curveball and maybe go with a guy that they, that's been in their system for a while now in Cam Lewis, who switched over to safety uh, back in training camp. Um, I don't know. I, I just I'm trying to think of the athletic profile of, What's the what's the closest thing to what Jordan Poyer brings from a physicality perspective, quickness, reaction time? And I just think that Cam Lewis in that new role, like maybe taking a shot on him uh, while Jordan Poyer needs another week, it, it's something that's been interesting this, this week. So I'm going to be watching that kind of closely as we get to game time on Sunday. All right, I guess we could talk about Josh Allen now um, and, you know, what the potential for this game is. I'm I'm so, I'm sort of interested. Like Mike Giardi was was when we were just talking to him, and even John Price, who we who we talked to every Saturday as well, talked about like, well, if you were to say like Josh Allen in this game, if he were to miss this game, the Bills were to lose, but he could come back healthy next week. I think that's a you know a scenario that maybe you take. Where where do you stand on the Josh Allen dilemma? And do do you get the sense that? You're like if you were a betting man, if you had to put the line down, are, are you are you are you thinking he's playing tomorrow, or do you think he's out maybe tomorrow and maybe even another week, just to understand that you've got an NFC team this week on the docket and and maybe I don't want to say that this game doesn't matter, Matt, because it matters, of course, but 
it definitely does not matter the same as an AFC matchup will. Right. And I think you have some time, right? I mean, go back to 2018 when it took the four weeks, depending on the severity of, of the injury, maybe it doesn't take that long, but I think you have some time against the Vikings the next week. Browns are a better team than I think people want to give them even credit for, but it's still a, you know, a home game. You know, you went out and you traded for Case Keenum for these kinds of situations when you need kind of a, uh, a stopgap uh, just as, as a guy's trying to get healthy. Uh, I don't think you want to push it. But um, the problem with trying to project this is that we don't know – we haven't been able to see Josh Allen throw the ball. Like, what's the grip like? What's the, what's the velocity like? Can he be the same player? And, and that's one thing that Sean McDermott said that, you know, I took to heart this week is that, you know, they're not going to put Josh Allen out there unless he could be Josh Allen. And so can he be hit that like a week later? I don't know. But then I go back to that game and I watch him on cork a 70-yard ball two plays after he suffered the injury, which is a completely different scenario than the Houston game. Like, yep. If you remember the Houston game, like he couldn't even barely throw the ball at all. So, yeah, I mean, am I, and am I, am I a, like, where am I at? I think 50-50 is a great place to put it. I was probably more 60-40 that he won't play on Thursday, but seeing him kind of out there in the jersey and you know, he had the, the, the stuff on the – I don't know, man. I mean, it's, it's anybody's guess. We'll see. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm, I'm of the mind that, you know, Josh Allen – being healthy and playing at his best in December is far more important to me than whatever game they've got on, you know, November 13th against an NFC opponent. But at the same time, you're right. It's a, it's a home game. And maybe the pressure of this division is more than they maybe would have thought they would have this early in the season. No. Oh, no, without a doubt. Um, it, it, you got to have him right for the, for that gauntlet that starts with new England in, in about a month. Uh, and so, yeah, you want to be as preca- like precautious as you can. And like, you know, I, I don't know, man, it's, it, it's a situation where the, the Vikings are a really good team. Right. But I, I also wonder, like one thing that Isaiah McKenzie said to me this week or to, to our group this week, when we were talking to him was like, it, this week's given Josh a chance to stand back and, and experience practice in a different way. Like, you know, from the sidelines, like watching receivers run routes and talking to them about, like, just what's going through their mind from that vantage point, right? Like, watching them actually from the sideline as opposed to from behind the line of scrimmage. And they had some good conversations. And I guess Isaiah told him on one play, like, Josh asked him, like, well, oh, why do you run it this way? And he said, well, maybe if you run it this Josh said, why don't you run it this way? Maybe it would work or be more effective. And it's like both of them kind of like their eyes widened a little bit and stuff like that. So this could be a good thing for, for Josh to maybe step back for a week, watch – watch the offense work with Case Keenum and, and then hit come back in, in to the drawing board and figure out ways to improve because the, the offense did stagnate a little bit uh, over the last six quarters, and he's, he's turned the ball over uh, a lot more than he has, uh, you know, really dating back the last year and a half. So this, this could be a good thing maybe. You know, I, I'm, it's, it's almost a shame that the Josh Allen conversation is overshadowed what I think should be one of the storylines of the entire week in the NFL, which is – you know the return and the the matchup between Stephon Diggs and Justin Jefferson, two of the t- two of the league's elite wide receivers, and maybe one of the what most even trades of all time in the NFL. Like uh, this week, hearing and listening and talking to Stephon Diggs, like is this another game for him, or do you believe like he's he's ready to draw some blood in this game? I really don't think he's that. That's the mindset. Hmm. Like I, I don't think that there's hard feelings. Like. I guess the best way to think about it is like this. Like if you had like a girlfriend or a boyfriend, right. And 
you guys were you, you you had a good run, but maybe it ended, you know, it, you know, in a bad way. It wasn't as as good as you as you'd like. You're probably not going to talk much after the fact, and you know, you move on and you meet like the love of your life and you get married and everything is so mean and like you know, you're putting together you know uh, Christmas cards and that person got married and they're having a and you and you decide yeah I want to send them a Christmas card because you know might might have ended badly then, but I've got something so great now that it doesn't even matter. And that's how I kind of feel like with what's going on with Diggs right now. I mean, he's the best receiver in the NFL right now. You can make that argument, right? I mean, he's second in receiving. He leads the league in touchdowns. You know, as good as he was in Minnesota, he didn't have a Josh Allen there. He didn't have a team that was, you know, perennially now competing for AFC titles and potentially Super Bowls and I still think that if you look, if you put those two franchises next to each other right now, the Bills are, are are probably far and ahead just a better run organization with the with more longevity with the way that the rosters have been built. So when you have that, and you are a guy like Stephon Diggs who kind of roots for other receivers, like you know he's a huge fan of Justin Jefferson and he's he's happy about that. I don't think he has any hard feelings for Kirk Cousins. It's just. I think he was really good friends with Adam Thielen too. So it's mm. like there's all these like kind of lovey feelings to it all. I think it's just kind of another game. I I almost feel like coming off of that Green Bay game too. Nothing can be as high octane as mm. that. I mean, I haven't seen him in three years get that you know hyped up talking to another person as he was with Jair Alexander. So I almost feel like this is kind of going to be more of a a mini love fest. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's how it feels going into it. Mm. Matt Perino here, New York Upstate Shop Buffalo podcast here on the Wester Hotline. Matt, I want to ask you about some more Bills pass catchers. Where are we with the Isaiah McKenzie, Khalil Shakir thing? And and maybe this is going to be more of a conversation as this season kind of chugs along. But one of the things last week that really stood out to me in that game is Dawson Knox, and we're going to talk about him in a second. But the lack of that third option, and Dawson Knox is part of that equation, but they really have not landed on and felt comfortable with a full-time player at that third wide receiver position. I really kind of all but assumed Isaiah McKenzie, who, let's just say what it was. Like, he was the MVP of training camp, Matt, and he looked better than, I mean, he looked like the one consistent force in this offense. It has not carried over to regular season games, and I think they're still searching for that third wide receiver option full-time, and I think it hurt them. I think they needed a guy to dump the ball down to last week because they had to keep that running back in to block because they really couldn't beat that Jets defensive line five versus four. They were losing man-on-man battle. So what what do you make of this third wide receiver battle? Is that the right word for it? Yeah, it, it's interesting. We spent a lot of time on the show talking about this in recent weeks. And, you know, the best that I can come up with as to why the Isaiah McKenzie experiment hasn't worked is because for whatever you want to say about Cole Beasley over the last three years, what he did really well as a player was something that I think this offense is missing. And that is get instant separation and give that safety valve option to, to Josh. And like, go back and look at Isaiah McKenzie. I don't think that he, I don't think it's not in his repertoire to be able to do that and do it consistently if he's able to, but it's not really how he's won when he's had big games over the last couple of seasons, he's winning on a lot of these, like, I'm just faster than you. I'm going to make a move. I'm going to win on crossers down the field, 15, 20 yards, as opposed to that really like flawless technique at the line of scrimmage. And I think that's one of the reasons they brought in Jamison Crowder. And obviously 
he's got the broken ankle, and it's it's unsure if he's going to be back this season. What I think the the play can be, because I think that the acquisition of Naheem Hines and wanting to take things off of Khalil Shakir's plate, to me that that signals that they want him in that Gabe Davis rookie year role, where you know if something comes up. We'll bring you in, but we want to take it a little bit slower than anything else. I, I don't think that we're in, we're, we're, we're getting anywhere near like Khalil Shakir featured in the slot role, and maybe I'm wrong about that. What I think we could be closer to is they're hoping Naeem Hines can somehow have hmm. some type of role in that slot position, you know, pairing with Isaiah McKenzie and finding a way to utilize both of their strengths. Like talking to Hines last week, he's like, I think I went on routes. Brandon Bean said that he loves his ability to separate at and around the line of scrimmage. So I'm just kind of piecing this thing together, and maybe that could be the option that works best. Because I think I don't think Bean was lying. I don't think James Cook's Cook's role is going to shrink in this offense now that Hines is here. I just think that maybe they're going to use Hines in a different way than we thought originally. All right. Well, let's talk more about Hines. Like, are you expecting a much bigger role this week? I, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I was like disappointed he didn't play a lot last week or that I expected him to play more. This is his first week. Like, I, I think that where they put him, they put him in a situation at the end of the game to try to get a spark on a route that. You know, he runs maybe better than any running back in football, that, that wheel route. Um, but having said that, I was not surprised. I wasn't expecting him to get, like, a special package as a play something. He really didn't practice in full until Wednesday, um, or Thursday even. Like, that, that's a lot for a player. So what do you expect the role to look like this week with, uh, with Hines? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely expect an uptick. Um, I, I think that you could probably throw him in a, in a bunch of different situations. And I'm wondering if they don't try to put the defense in a bind and, and try to get – him and Cook on the field together at the same time and try to figure out, okay, how are they going to line up? Because you could really come out of that, send both of those guys in some type of funky motion and put one out wide, keep one in the backfield, however you want to kind of dress it up. And, and that's on Ken Dorsey to do that. And I think Hines has felt much more comfortable. He seemed much more comfortable this week. He's getting himself you know, more, uh, you know, comfortable in the locker room and with the way that practice goes and probably deeper in the playbook. And so there will be a, a, a lot more pages in that playbook open to him this week. So, yeah, I think that's a, a great observation. I think it's something that, you know, will be important because if Keenum plays – I really think that those guys, you know, even Stefan Diggs is probably going to be really important in that short intermediate area. But Hines could be a real weapon that helps, uh, and, and they can kind of test that theory out about how defenses are going to, you know, handle him being in the huddle with everybody else. All right, and let's talk about Dawson Knox here for a second. I've been maybe the most vocal about, like, where is he? Why aren't you using him? And you looked last week. Part of it I really wanted to put on Ken Dorsey, that he hasn't been featuring him. There's not enough plays that just get him a, a, a schemed-up touch, even if that's a screen pass or something to get him some yards after catch because he has that ability. But there were plays out there last Sunday where Dawson Knox was open that Josh Allen pressed the football down the field instead of checking the ball down to Dawson Knox. But I guess where I stand on this is, are you good with Dawson Knox just being a safety valve, being an outlet? Because right now, Josh Allen isn't finding or getting to the outlet. And do you believe that he, and maybe I'll leave out the fact that he signed the extension. I think that's an over-talked-about point. Just because he made the money doesn't necessarily mean he should be featured in the offense. But it feels like he might be your most consistent player, pass catcher, Outside of Stephon Diggs, like he might and probably should be, based on the value that they placed on him, 
they're their number two target in the offense, and he's not even their number four target. Yeah, it's the Dawson Knox conversation is such a hard one to have because on, on the one hand, I'm thinking about what the dude has probably just gone through since you know the passing of his brother, and I and I don't know how much that um, has impacted him. I can't. I I'd probably say a lot, right? Even to this moment, like going through every day, every week. Like I can't imagine what that's like, and then they just have all the stresses and pressures of an NFL season. So there, there's a little piece of me that maybe isn't doing my job enough and maybe hasn't been hard enough on him knowing that, you know, that, that part of it is happening. But I also think it's like, you know, it's, it's a rhythm thing the same way that, you know, the rhythm wasn't working for the offense last week. There's just, there hasn't been a great rhythm between Josh and Dawson mm-hmm. Knox throughout the season. And I think that when they've been really good together, you know, it's been consistency, him being available. Like he was actually banged up a little bit. Like he, he was on the injury report early in the season he was dealing, I think, with a hip and a foot injury at the same time, and it seems like he always has that early in the season where he has something that kind of keeps him on the injury report for a couple weeks. And so maybe we're just kind of approaching the time where he gets himself feeling right, he gets himself um, in, a, in a rhythm, and him and Josh Allen kind of have a couple of really good weeks of practice, and then that's what kind of unlocks it a little bit. But I think the expectation of him being that number two guy in this offense, I don't think that that's a bad expectation for fans to have especially after the contract and I think you can use that as a reason why you want the production to be a little bit more there but I think going back to last season there is evidence that he can be a really really integral part of this offense and so I just think it's it's about it clicking and maybe he's just needed a little bit more time because of everything else that's going on for him this year all right last thing I have for you I would think there's an expectation Spencer Brown could potentially be back this week uh we'll see uh, I did did I see he was listed as questionable or did I see him as a full participant Matt full participant Thursday and Friday seems like he's good to go okay so getting Spencer Brown back do you expect that to have a, an impact because in the run game David Questenberry's fine um, he had a really tough game last week against the Jets in pass blocking. Yeah, and I expected that, honestly, even if Brown was playing. I mean, Carl Lawson, I'm, I'm not sure how much of it was that. I'd have to go back and actually really look at the, the the reps and which side he was on, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, you go across their defensive line, they're really good. But I don't think we were talking enough about how good that defensive line. That might be the best They're darn line. good, yeah. One through five in the league right now. And so... Uh, I think getting Brown back, they like Brown more. I mean, they they, they want to get him in even when Questenberry kind of had the was playing a lot in training camp. As soon as Brown was healthy, he always got back in. Uh, he's had his struggles at times this year. He's been coming off that back injury. I don't know if he's ever been really 100%. Uh, but, yeah, getting him back and, and working more on that continuity, that's the group with him in there that's played the most snaps together in games this season. So I think that could probably help Keenum if he has to go, just kind of solidifying things. But – Listen, it doesn't matter if it's it's Brown or Questenberry. It's the it's the NFL, and every week it seems like you're going up against elite pass rushers somewhere. And it just so happens that this week it's again it's on the edge with Zadarius Smith and obviously Daniil Hunter. Both of those guys just wreaked havoc on um, Taylor Heineke last week, and I, I think that Washington's offensive line has actually been decent, and 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 they've held up a lot. But this is a game where um, they're going to be under fire and. It goes back to your earlier point that you made. Like, are the Bills going to be able to do a good enough job in pass protection to be able to utilize all of their weapons? Because I think the, you know, especially on the outside, they're going to test Deion Dawkins and, and likely Brown. All right, buddy, I appreciate you. Enjoy the uh, the weekend slate of college football games today, and uh, maybe I'll catch you tomorrow on some uh, 
some, you know, broadcast booth, uh, press box. What do they got? The, uh, the old buffet line. Maybe I'll see you at the buffet line tomorrow. Anytime, buddy. I, I know. Me- I love myself a good buffet. Well, of course, I was going to say, you know who never misses a good buffet is Jerry Sullivan. Not one time has Jerry Sullivan ever missed a good buffet. He He's never I'm missed not, a bad I'm buffet. I'm going to have a word with him tomorrow. I'm going to have a word with him tomorrow. He's, he's on one this morning talking about, he doesn't like the fact that I appreciate you entered the lexicon. Jerry, bah humbug, man. It's not even, <laughs> we're not even at Christmas yet, dude. What is going on? Listen, anytime he gets a chance to rile people up, he's going to do it. Um, but like I said, like maybe the, the, the king of buffets, good or bad, ugly, what doesn't matter, Jerry, but Jerry Sullivan never misses a buffet. So. Love it. See you tomorrow, buddy. All right, buddy. Matt Perino there, New York Upstate in the Western Hotline. Timeout, Will Parkinson. He's joining me live from Yankee Stadium, Cortica, Cortland, Ithaca at Yankee Stadium today. He's there checking out his former school. I'm assuming... He's an Ithaca guy, so we'll talk to him on the other side, talk some Jets, Bills, and talk about the rest of this Jets season, what they're looking like here. Coming up next on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Head coach Sean McDermott joins the Extra Point Show with Sal and Joe every Friday morning at 1030. Brought to you by Northwest Bank. For what's next, get started at Northwest.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.